this week on The Sport Blokes? This week, Novak Djokovic finishes on a tear at the Australian Open. Awards are plenty as Xavier cooks up an MVP-worthy season. Manchester City in a spot of bother. And Dom Perrottet can get fucked. Oh dear, not touching that one. Oh, let's go. It's 7.30 here in the West on Wednesday, the 8th of February, 2023. Welcome to you wherever you may be and whatever you may be doing, be it on the treadmill or whatever. Or the toilet. <laughs> Thank you very much to those that have liked and subscribed. And as always, be sure to check the timestamps if you're only interested in specific sports and not the whole show. It's going to be another basketball heavy one again this week, Shuey. And hard not to bear. And, well, I was going to say, it's to quote the great uh, H.G. Nelson, it was another one of those weeks where too much sport was barely enough. We've had championships, we've had playoff implications, we've had records being broken. I just, I yeah, I don't know where to start, so I'll let you start. <laughs> Opening bounce. I think there's a lot of stuff to talk about, but I did want to kind of just quickly recap, I guess, the, the end of the Australian Open. Yes. Was... I have to say, probably the most disappointing Australian Open I can remember. Seems to be doing the rounds. Pretty uh, consensus opinion by the sounds of things. Yeah, and and look, it's not just because Novak Djokovic won the whole thing. I mean, that is a (laughs) contributing factor, but it was just one of those tournaments where there weren't really that many really exciting matches. You know, there were maybe a handful of decent five-setters. There was Stefano Tsitsipas and Yannick Sinner was brilliant. That was a great game. Uh, Andre Rublev and Holger Rune, it was, again, another one that was like match points being saved with ridiculous passing shots down the line and stuff. But aside from that, there wasn't really too much. Uh, and not just the men's side, in the women's side as well. I mean, once you got past about the third round, I think there was maybe three three setters, like just nothing. Mm. Nothing going deep into the third either. So Pretty disappointing. And Sitsipas nearly got himself excluded. He nearly did a Novak by hitting one of the ball kits. He did. Yeah. He did. Very, very lucky. Very lucky. So, but having said that, I think I actually like him now. I think, go on. I think I've actually changed my tune a bit on Stefano Shits' pants. Yeah, go on. I don't remember any toilet breaks, which is kind of nice. <laughs> but just hearing him talk in some of the post-match interviews, He's a really nice guy. Like, he's actually, he's a good dude. He does seem like a a, a legitimately nice guy. Yeah, like yeah. T- talking about creating schools for yes. like, privileged people in Australia. Yeah, which is, yeah, donating his prize winnings. Yeah, yeah, which he has no obligation to do. It's not his home country. I mean, he's... Well, well of, until he does it, it's just words. But yes, yeah, yeah I mean, it's a nice intent. It's a nice... Certainly the notion was there. Well, I've got a funny tweet here for him, Shui. Okay, go for it. There should be a reality show where flat earthers have to find the edge of the world. I know you love your reality. So there's one from Stefanos. They can send Kyrie and we'll be talking about him today, won't we? If they find the end, we'll just give him a nudge off it. <laughs> they say, then we're all wrong. Yeah, well, that's well, most of us. This is true. This is very true. But the thing I did want to talk about, unfortunately, we do have to talk about him. Novak Djokovic and the hamstring tear. Yeah, so I've got a tweet about that one too. So Darren Parkin said, it's been revealed Djokovic won Wimbledon last year despite breaking both of his arms in the semi-final. Yeah, didn't realise that. That's it's a big injury to overcome. But it was. It was another one of those situations. It was another one of those situations, wasn't it? There was the abdominal tear a few years back that he talked about. He just likes playing with tears, I think. Uh, yeah, I just don't understand. Maybe his favourite NFL team is the Chicago Tears. Ah, almost probably. There we go. Yeah. That was terrible. <laughs> but no, look, I, I just, it's one of those things that makes you just sit back and all I can think of is just fuck off already. Like, <laughs> just, it doesn't seem like he's happy unless there's drama. Right. It, it's like he's a 13-year-old girl, I guess. <laughs> um, or a boy. A lot of boys have drama at that age as well. But no, it's just, like, it's just so convenient that if, he, if he'd if he lost it, very easy yeah, to turn yeah, around and play that and card. Play that card. Yeah. Whereas, you know, he goes on and wins. Like, I, just, I per- Personally, I just don't believe it. I've heard all these things. Oh, Craig Tilly was saying, I've seen the scans and blah, blah, blah. Okay, release him. Just release There's, him. There has been a more than usual dose of scepticism with this one, hasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Like, I mean, quite frankly, I'm at the point now where unless somebody actually opened up his hamstring in front of me on the operating table and showed me the tear, <laughs> I'm not going to believe it. Like three centimetres is huge. Yes. It's huge. Oh, yeah. Wait, you can't tell me. Uh, you, you'd struggle to walk, I would have thought. Although, if they can use painkillers and I don't know. But yeah. To me, it's the way that Djokovic plays, 
is just not conducive. Throwing to himself play. around the court and yeah, stretching and yeah. He's, he's probably one of the stretchiest guys in the yeah. history of tennis. He's always basically doing the splits on these yeah. these hard gets. I just I don't really believe it, quite frankly. And that's probably the easiest way to put it. I don't believe it. How's this for a stat you might not believe? No bloke born after 1987 has won the Australian Open, French Open, or Wimbledon. Thanks to Ben Rothenberg for that one. I often quote him with the tennis stuff. I did see that. Yeah, the yeah. US Open, incredible. Yeah, US Opens had a couple of younger winners. In- but even so, yeah. I mean, God, that's nearly forty years. Yeah, that's, it's getting there. It <laughs> yeah. is getting there. The uh, look, the women's Arena Sabalenka of Belarus, amazing. And I'm going to name Belarus as a country, even though the tennis refuses to. Mm, that was interesting, wasn't it? Yeah. Look, it's going to continue to happen, unfortunately. Mm. But look, she's from Belarus. She's no part of the war. Just like so many of these Russian players who are happy to write things on there saying, like, say no to war, all that sort of stuff. I think she absolutely dominated the field. Uh, she was one of the players, actually, when we spoke about it last, we sort of said, oh, who can win it? I had her as my one of my dark horses, and she came through. Thankfully, she didn't fake an injury as well, which is good. <laughs> um, but, yeah, only lost one set through the, the entire tournament, same as Djokovic. So, did, did you see that the women's final actually outrated the men's final? That was wrong. Oh, I did it? see that, but it was actually they'd understated the, oh. the men's by about 100,000. So. Oh, so well, that means they're about tied then. Uh, because no, I, I thought it was about 100,000 that I saw. I think it's about 60. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Oh, well, anyway. anyway, well, even parity is very good. Either way, no, but it, this is the thing. Like, I think generally speaking, tennis fans will watch both. Yeah. Because let's be honest, women's tennis, as far as as far as women's sports go, the parity in terms of the quality of, between the men's and women's is probably about as close as it would get. And that's not saying a bad word about any women's sports because I think they're doing incredibly well. But the tennis women's finals are usually very, very good. And this this was quite a decent final. Well, they often do more serve volley and that sort of stuff, which I really enjoy watching. So so some of the tactics are a little bit different and they're quite enjoyable too. Yeah. And then I think for me, the one big highlight was the wild cards, Rinky Hijikata and Jason Kugler winning the men's doubles from a wild card position. Yeah, I, I saw that. I was going to save that for our Christmas presents. By the way, you'll know by now Christmas was cancelled. Uh, so our next well, Christmas in July will yeah. be a year's worth of Christmas. It, it will be. Yeah, it's incredible. Like hats off. That's magnificent. Second straight year that an Aussie duo have won from the wild card. Which- yeah. Kokonakis and Kyrgios the previous year. So, but lesser names, of course. Lesser names. Yeah. And they did do that stupid Brian Brothers chest bump, which I oh, can't, trademark. can't stand it. I can't <laughs> stand it. Couldn't stand it from the Brian Brothers. I can't stand it from our boys. Well, especially if they're stealing it from another. That's true. One last thing about the tennis. Coolest stat to come out of this was it's the first Grand Slam in the open era where the top two seeds in the men's and women's singles didn't even make the quarterfinals. Wow. No, that is a great step. Very, very cool. That was probably down to Rafael Nadal's injury, I would say. I think right. he's, he's healthy. He probably makes it, but a pretty random stat. Yeah, interesting. Now, the other thing I just wanted to talk about in the opening bouts, Nath, the massive story coming out of the EPL right now with Manchester City. Holy moly. Yeah, so I haven't followed this one. I know there's a scandal, and, and, but I haven't really looked at it much. So, so I'll be interested to hear what you're got to say they've been charged allegedly with over 100 breaches of financial regulations across nine seasons that is a lot wow so the charges include and i quote failing to provide accurate financial information that gives a true and fair view of the club's financial position including sponsorship revenue failing to provide full details of manager remuneration relating to a period when roberto mancini was in charge the same deal for player remuneration between 2010 and 2016 inclusive They've had breaching UEFA financial fair play rules between 2013 and 2018, breaching the Premier League's profitability and sustainability. It goes on and on. There's, there's so, so many it's things. It's nearly a decade. It's, it's about nine years, yeah. So where does this fall under the new ownership? Is there a correlate? Is there, you know? Yeah, there would be, yeah, they would have gone back. Are you, you're talking about the... Well, did all this shit start happening under the new ownership is basically what I'm asking. I don't know how long I, they've been owners. I but, believe so. If it's yeah. This, is that go back to when they first won the league. I mean, that would have been, yeah, nearly 10 years ago, right? So they've been doing a dodgy from day one, if that's the case. Pretty much. So I guess, put simply, they're fucked. Mm. This has happened. So as a Glasgow Rangers fan, this happened to Rangers a few years back. They kind of dodged the books a little bit and ended up getting demoted about three or four divisions, ended up taking them three years to get back to the top flight. So there's a lot of talk that potential ramifications are anything from a ban from the UK top flight, suspensions, a fine, quote, unlimited in amount or a docking of standing points. And when you consider the fact that City are second in the EPL ladder at the moment. Oh, it's huge. 
yeah like, like just what they wouldn't make from making the champions league would be at least 15.6 million pounds which probably chunk change to these guys. Well, hey, it all counts. I mean, geez. But 15 million. And that's just making it. That's assuming they don't win or draw any matches at all. So I've just gone to the third umpire. Since 2008, Sheikh Mansour has owned the team and Al Mubarak's been the chairman since 2008 as well. There you go. So there you go. It did feel like a lot longer than 10 years, but uh, oh, big. Huge. Huge. Yeah, watch this space for that one. So, Stewie, we have our final six teams in the NBL after a very nail-biting final round that not only came down to the last game, came down to the last shot, which is just crazy. I saw Statsman74, and I've quoted him a lot lately. He does brilliant work. There were 1,024 different possibilities with 10 games left. So, look, we did poo-poo the plane a little bit. or We, we didn't poo-poo. We were sceptical. But, hey, it's turned out to be a brilliant, brilliant thing. And it's one of these things, like I've been reading a lot of stuff on the socials sort of saying, well, if we didn't have the play in, the last few games wouldn't have been anywhere near as meaningful. But mathematically speaking, that's pretty obvious. I mean, the more teams that are, I guess, brought into these play-ins, the more, as you say, different permutations, different combinations of games that are going to mean something. Like if, if the top eight teams all make it, then there's an even greater chance that all of those games in the last round are going to mean something. So... I get where people are coming from. I think the idea is interesting. It's probably more interesting because Perth actually made it. Well, to be honest, even if it was a top four, if Tassie don't win in the final round, there are several teams in place still potentially. Mm. So it would have still been exciting. But uh, yeah, it was super exciting. It, it was. It was. Yeah. Look, getting those last two games meaning so much was cool. Yeah. Oh, and then just so much drama. The Rage on Tucker 3 at the very end and everyone scratching their heads going, oh, is this going to be the difference? And it looked like it maybe was when yeah. Dion Vasilovic hit that... Uh, the pull-up three. With three, wasn't it? I was trying, trying to remember if it was free throws or a three, yeah. yeah. Pull-up three with about 50 seconds left that brought it back to an eight-point game. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I couldn't believe. I thought that's that's it. It's over. But uh, no, look, full credit to Perth, obviously getting it done in, I suppose, tricky circumstances. There was no Walton Jr., I think a lot of the the bench players were kind of maybe playing for contracts, so to speak, for, for Sydney. Yeah, well, they wanted to win. They were yeah. playing to win. So they weren't at full strength, but they were definitely playing to win. Yeah. And you could almost see if Vasilievich had hit that last three. Oh, they would have gone nuts. The reaction would have been the yeah. same as when they beat Tasmania in Tassie last year in the grand final. Almost certainly. Would have been exactly the same. Almost certainly. Yeah. But, uh, but even on the back of a piss poor effort from Bryce Cotton, yeah. self-described. Yeah. yeah. Just, well, just astonishing. I know, give the man his citizenship already. He's yeah, using Aussie stuff like that. Yeah, definitely, definitely. This is one of these things, though, just going back to, I guess, the the value of those points. We've been saying it for a long time now. Fuck this gentleman's club shit. Like, play to the whistle. Yeah, I think, I think Aussies understand this. We watch other sports like AFL and things. We know how important that percentage can be. And I think it's always the imports that don't quite, and maybe the, the American coaches and that sort of thing that mm. just don't quite understand that you should play till the final minute. And often, even if it's a blowout and bench guys are getting a run, it's be the only points they score the entire season. Yep. It's nice to see bench guys get a bucket every now and then, isn't it? It is, it is. I did want to just quickly talk about one thing. Brilliant, brilliant tweet from our mate, Mr. Westerhout. Oh, yes. A big shout, shout out. out to Adam. Shout out to Westerhout. And Full Court Fitness. So obviously in the lead up to the Wildcats game, there was that Melbourne United-Adelaide game that you were talking about. Which was a very good game too. Very, very good game. I enjoyed watching that one. Now, Melbourne absolutely smashed Adelaide on the glass, 46 to 25, so a plus 21 rebounding. And Westy came up with an absolute beauty on Twitter. Even when the Wildcats rely on another team to win, they still can't get rebounds. Yeah, it's true. It's a great call. It's brilliant. So, yeah, look, very, very, very close. But, I, I mean, a great run-up to the finals. Yes, indeed, indeed. Whoever's using the NBL Twitter account didn't have a great day because first of all, they were calling it the first ever play-in, but they've, they've doubled down on that I've seen because in the email correspondence that's gone out to people that subscribe to NBL, they're calling it the first ever play-in tournament as well. Can three games be a tournament, by the way? Mm. Tournament is a very strong word. Yeah, it's not. But anyway, I, I couldn't help myself. I tweeted about the Rick Burton years. Uh, I said, you know, no, nah, we remember. Like, okay, it might have been called a slightly different name, but it was basically the exact same thing. Back it's an elimination finals. And it went longer than I remember. It was like four seasons. I think it was 04 to 08 from okay. now. Yeah. I don't remember it being one or two. So there you go. Those years in general. Yeah. Just kind of, 
like I pretty much remember like what Rashad Tucker and that's about it from that. Yeah. Entire, well, know? if we hadn't had membership, then we wouldn't have seen that's when it was really bad broadcast deal. Yeah. Mm. Really bad. Yeah. Yeah. And incidentally on that, I heard that the code sports recently reported there's a 30% increase in attendance and a 40% increase in broadcast reach. Mm. Yeah, no, they've done, so, they've you done know. all right. And the, like, I was actually having a look at some of the numbers the other day. It surprised me to see that the Brisbane Bullets have an 80% home attendance. Yeah, it's great. How are they getting 80% with that crap? Well, it, there's obviously enough there, I guess. But that bodes really well if the crappy teams, and even the Hawks, okay, yes, the Hawks won bugger all, but they were always competitive. I'd rather watch So them. our, our rather, competition I'd, is so healthy. I would rather watch the Hawks than the Bullets. Yeah, I probably would too. At least the Hawks try. Yeah. They might not win, but they try. <laughs> but then the other one on the NBL Twitter account was really US Ted Lasso, American coaches who believe. Yes, John really has a funny accent because I think from the college days, but he is not American. He was born in Queensland. Mm. So not a good day for the NBL Twitter account. Just quickly as well. Apologies, Tanya. I'm sorry that, to mention the Brisbane Associates. <laughs> Hopefully you're still listening, Tanya. Yeah. Yeah. It was nice to meet you the other week. Rage quit when I just said that. Apologies. I should say, by the way. So, obviously, I edited it, so I had a chance to listen. You've had a chance to listen now. Do you have any other reflections on the the live podcast event? Anything that kind of sticks out? Shout out to everyone involved once again, and check it out if you haven't listened already. Go and listen to part one on the NBL Pocket Podcast. I would say if we were trying to do it again, pick a game that we're going to win. <laughs> that was honestly, that was the, the trickiest part was yeah. just, I guess, managing the emotions of a, a tough loss and a loss that at the time looked like it was probably going to cost a postseason visit. It was a flat room, it wasn't was it? Initially, yeah. It took everything in me to be as up as I was. And like, it's just, it, it was what it was. But we got there, didn't th- we? Thoroughly enjoyed it. It was yeah. great fun. I should mention as well, I used the phrase queer. Um, I was quoting Corbin Middlemass, I think it was, from Outsiders. It's not actually a phrase I would normally use. I've had a few people say, oh, if you're a heterosexual person, that's maybe not a word you should use. Uh, It wasn't my intention. It's because I kind of botched the quote, basically, is what happened. But again, this is why we have these rounds, right? Yep. To increase awareness and to, to work out what's acceptable and what's not acceptable. So anyway, great initiative. Glad the league's doing it. And hopefully they'll continue to do so. Real quick before we get into the playoffs, what what do you make of the semantics of the play? And there's a lot of like, oh, yes, it's the playoffs. No, it's not the playoffs. Oh, it's the postseason, but not the playoffs. It'll be really interesting. It seems the league is saying it is the playoffs, I think. But what do you reckon? I think the easiest way to do it is to be literal. It's the postseason. Yes, that's why I like it too. I don't think it's finals, though. I don't think it's finals. If you're playing an elimination game, I don't think it's finals. I agree with that. And, And... you know, we go back to what we were talking about when the NBA first had it. Damian Lillard had that incredible game. Well, there's been a few. Jar had a big game. True. Steph had a big game. I don't even know where those records sit these days. And and this is it. Like, so I I don't know. I just I almost feel like it needs to be its own category. Yeah. Because it's to me. It's, yeah, I'd be okay it's with that. Postseason. It's not finals yet. And look, people are going to disagree with that, and that's fine. But my personal thoughts are, yeah, I just don't see how you can count that, especially when it's these little one-off games. I like that demarcation too. I had the exact same thought. Postseason and then playoffs begin when it's the 1v4, 2v3, effectively, yeah. the seeding. Yeah. So, look, there's been more talk about expansion. They're even talking about Singapore, which I oh, think is, I think that's just geez. a headline grabber. No, 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 no. I think that's canny. I think that's a canny headline grabber. Anyway, we won't talk about that now. I think we'll maybe revisit that after the season. There's plenty to talk about, starting with two games tomorrow, the first of which will be on while we're at work. We're not going to fucking Singapore again. <laughs> Had to say it. I'm sorry. Okay. Well, I'll just cut and paste that into the uh, next time we talk about it. Yes, time. please do. Please do. So, yes, the five-seed Southeast Melbourne Phoenix versus the six-seed only just Perth Wildcats. Yes, indeed. Yes, as you said, 3.30 in the afternoon over here in Perth. Thank you, Melbourne. Appreciate it. Well, look, we finished sixth. Why should we get any special treatment, to be honest? Because we're Perth, goddammit. <laughs> no, that's I, the other. The other complication is that Queensland doesn't have daylight savings. So, so we're dealing with all these different time zones. I can understand. New Zealand's a thing as well. Well, New Zealand is a thing. They're not involved until Sunday. No, but... But, but it is. Yeah, no, there's a lot of different time zones that they have to play with here. Yeah. Yep. So I, I'm okay with it. I'll hopefully find a radio stream to listen to and hopefully won't have any meetings during the game. And I can... I'll tell you what, though, if they're serious about Singapore, they're on the same time zone as us. So yes, they are. Screwing yes. Singapore over already. It's <laughs> 
What do you make of the game? Oh, look, I think I think South East Melbourne will win. I think that Big Source, great to see him re-signed, by the way. Mm, that's a lot of big names. Justin Robinson has re-signed for Illawarra. Just another good sign that our league is really kicking goals at the moment, to mix metaphors. I think Big Source might be the difference. I think we've got a really soft middle. We can't defend the paint. We can't win the rebound count. He gobbles up rebounds for a living. Tayshaun Thomas isn't even 100%. Did his knee a little bit. Luckily, not as bad as it first looked. So, yeah, I, I would give, I reckon Phoenix by about 10 or 12. I want to disagree with you, but I don't think I can. <laughs> it's If I'm the Phoenix, I just run 1-4 and 1-5 pick and rolls yep. the whole game. Yep. Basically say, right, Bryce Cotton or whoever is playing that one is going to end up on Williams or Mitch Creek. And then it's like double at your own peril. And we know how it goes. Ruben Sarangi will shoot like 15% all season. But then, then yeah. he'll be like five. Come Dale Ellis yeah, against us. Six yeah. against us. Yep. And as you mentioned to, to me before we hit record, Rowdy's back as well. Rowdy's back. Big so, deal. Ryan, he always plays well against us Ryan too. Ryan Brokoff shoots the ball well against us. Yep. It's just one of those things I just don't really see. Unless Bryce Cotton goes nuclear. They're the two wild cards. So one is Bryce going nuclear because he had probably the worst game of his entire NBL oh, career. Not probably. I, I don't know if maybe the game he got injured. I can't remember at what point in the game he got injured, if, if it was at the beginning or not, but I, I just can't remember. But otherwise, it's the worst. It's It's got to be the worst. One of 19, I've heard reports of one of 20. Yeah. It's, it's not pretty. So uh, look... Unless the Wildcats can somehow keep the rebound count fairly close. Well, the other Wildcats, Trav. If Trav can play with the passion and the desire and the impetus that he did against Sydney, they've got a shot. If he plays the way he did against Cairns, there's no shot. But 22-11 and 6 over Sydney just looked different. He he looked like a different player. Yep. And by the way, he's shooting 40% from beyond the arc this season. Yep. And in the last couple of, I think in the last, I can't remember the time period, but I heard it was 58% yep. recently. So he has improved He's his better shots yeah. as well. Yeah, I better mean, decision making. But yes, I I think you're wrong. I think if Travers plays well, because he was very passive in that Cairns yeah. game. Oh, that Cairns game was just disgraceful. It was like you can lose to a better team, but it was just a lack of urgency and effort. And and look, my itchy Twitter finger might have got a little bit out of control. You know, talking about Manic and Thomas and all that. But geez, it was disappointing. What a what a weird three days for the Perth Wildcats. That was it was very bad. <laughs> Right, so we're in agreement. Perth are probably going to get knocked out. Yep, South East Melbourne by 10 or 12, or 10 to 12, I reckon. Yeah, I'd probably say, yeah, maybe a bit more, maybe 14. So then we've got Cairns and Tassie, two yes. teams that we quite like. Seeding qualifier, so winner goes through, loser will have to play the winner of the previous game. So basically Perth 2.0 and Perth 3.0. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> yeah. It, it's an interesting one. It's a battle of the walking wounded. Yeah, so it's Josh, sad, isn't it? Is Josh Majette has a fractured cheekbone from an elbow that he took in the game against Illawarra. And eye socket, orbital, yeah, orbital fracture. It is interesting. I would have thought he would potentially find a way to play through that with a mask maybe, but it must be very bad. It must be where it is, yeah. It must mm. be affecting his vision, yeah. Clint Steindl's a game-time decision as well, so there's no guarantee that they'll have the sharpshooter off the bench. Keanu Pinder's not going to play for Cairns. It's... And Tajir McCall's a bit banged up still too. Yep. And that's the thing. So whoever wins the Perth South East Melbourne game will really fancy themselves to get straight into the into the playoffs, the top four, I think. Yeah, I mean, look, any team that plays either of those two teams is probably going to feel pretty good about themselves. Granted, they'll be on the road, but playing an undermanned team. Yeah, I mean, again, if it's Perth, we would probably rather play Cairns. We play them better in Cairns than we, we do here. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, but We don't play Tassie well anywhere right now. So Yeah, that's true too. But again, if they're banged up, you would feel pretty decent against either of those teams. So yeah, you're, you're right. I think if Perth can get up, you would like their chances of getting through. If South East Melbourne win, again, they're going to feel pretty good about themselves. Easier for the Phoenix because of the travel. It's a lot of travel Perth would have to do, especially if it's Tassie. True. Well, quite actually, Cairns, it's, it's much of a muchness, actually. Mm. Cairns is probably worse, actually. Yeah, I think it is, actually. So yeah, it's going to be it's going to be tough. A big, a big proposition. Anyway, who wins this game? Oh, I'd have to... Cairns at home, I have to give them the nod with Majette out. Milton Doyle will probably do a bit more playmaking. Sean McDonald, Matt Kenyon will all have to pitch in a little bit to make up for the loss of Majette. I actually like the Jackies. Yeah, okay. I like, the, I like the Jackies. I just, I like the balance of their other two imports. I think Kelly and Doyle, we saw early in the season, they ran pick and rolls incredibly well. Will Magnes actually looked pretty decent yeah. the last couple of weeks. Defensively, he was, I mean, he was a beast against the Wildcats in that game. Does Kelly move into the starting five, do you reckon? Probably has to. 
Uh, I, I don't really see a, another option. Let me show McDonald's. Maybe, I mean, Kelly will definitely play more minutes. Maybe but... even someone like Bairstow. Yeah, okay. Yeah, Jared Bairstow. Yeah, well, he has been in the past. Well, he, I mean, he started for the Wildcats a number of times. Yeah, yeah, he Did yeah. that, like, first five minutes and then sat yeah, the yeah, rest yeah. of the game. But I must have, I, I just like the balance of the jack jumpers a little bit more. And even on the road, I, I can see a world where they get through. Oh, look, nothing would surprise me. Nothing would surprise me. But I'm going to pick the Taipans by seven. Yeah, I'll go Tassie by about the same number. Very good. There we go. All right. So, look, it, it becomes a bit of a guessing game. I don't think we'll kind of predict any further. We'll just reflect on where we are next time we hit record. You've got a funny tweet? Yeah, this is probably the best NBL tweet that I saw outside of Westies. It comes from the Melbourne United fans who said, WTF, you absolute spuds, Sydney Kings. Well, when you're relying on other teams to win. Well, it didn't take long for a Perth fan to bring up the game in December where United gave up that they tanked. lead yeah. with about 40-odd seconds left to lose in regulation. Yeah. And I just, I love when people... Well, they, the karmic, that's karmic. It is, it is yeah. karmic. Yeah. Uh, it's karmical. Yeah. But I... I karmical hunt. Honestly, I, I love when people get called spuds. It's just... <laughs> <laughs> like that's one of the things when Nick Kyrgios calls people like oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. you're a spud or yeah, whatever yeah. you're a potato like, <laughs> I can love that that's one of the best insults ever calling someone anything to do with a potato oh uh, very good love it so awards Kai Soto rightfully the people's MVP for the second year running Wrong. the most important Wrong, award wrongfully not the real MVP <laughs> no look all jokes aside solid season and he's leaving our shores, unfortunately. Yes, it's true. So it, it'll be sad to see the big fella go. I have said on a number of occasions, I love the way that he plays. He probably didn't get quite the right amount of playing time in Adelaide. I mean, I, I would like to think that he probably should have been starting over Daniel Johnson for half the season. Yeah, okay. So so just under 13 minutes a game, 6.8 points, 4.5 rebounds, 51% from the field. I really enjoyed watching him play, and I thought he had potential too. But what I've heard of late, I think it was Matt Logue. Apparently, he's got a bad work ethic. Right. And that's why I think he fell out of favour a little bit with CJ at times, and and that was a major issue. And if you want to make the NBA, that is not a good thing. So mm-hmm. that'll be interesting. But it's interesting as well, because if you extrapolate those numbers, you said he played 13 minutes. A lot of the big-name centres, let's use Aaron Baines as an example. He was playing 26 minutes a game pretty yeah, much yeah. every game. Shout out to Joe Coy, yeah. If you double K Soto's numbers there, you're getting what 13 and a half and maybe eight. That mean he gets eight fouls a game? Two? Well, possibly. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, 13 and a half and eight. I mean, those are very solid numbers. Oh, they're decent. Yeah. Just get you into the bloody all NBL seconds. <laughs> well, we won't go there yet. So obviously Xavier Cook's one MVP, worst kept secret. I, I, I kind of felt like maybe it was Mitch Creek, given some of the injuries that the Phoenix had had, but I have no problem with Xavier winning it, of course. Best player, best team. That's yeah, yeah, always yeah. a pretty surefire, you know, success. And he didn't need to play huge minutes all the time too. So his stats would have been even higher had he. And obviously on the flip side of that's the Bryce Cotton thing where he played a lot of minutes. He did. And, and he had to. But, and he did. He but did. at the same time, most of the time when Cooks was off, it's because he had helped set up a win. Yep. So, yeah. So yeah, oh, absolutely. I have no problem. With it. I mean, yeah. again, I wouldn't have been disappointed with any of those three winning because they all had very, very yes. reasonable cases. All worthy. Them. No, no, all very worthy winners. I hope he gets a shot at the NBA. Me too. I really do. Yeah. So, most improved player, Keanu Pinder. Any issues there? It's one of the rare occasions where someone can win it twice in a row, and it's actually legit. Yep. Because he he really did. He he jumped into MVP candidacy and had he not got injured. Look, he wouldn't have been my number one, but he would have been in the discussion. And he was in the discussion for a while. People brought him up at the live podcast event we did. So, yeah, yeah, I don't have a problem with that at all. Yep. I I was actually almost surprised how close it was with Will McDowell-White. I mean... Yeah, well, he would be a very worthy winner too. He had a very good year. Cracking year, you would say. Uh, Very, very important part of the New Zealand Breakers being one of the best teams in the league. But it wasn't as big a jump as Keanu made. No. So, yeah, good... To see that they got that one right, I, I don't actually honestly going through this list, I'm not sure there's any really egregious mistakes. Certainly, nothing egregious. There's a few I disagree with, but I'm still okay with the selections. Yep. Yeah, yeah. 
I'm guessing Defensive Player of the Year might have been one of the ones. Who- yeah, look, I love Antonius Cleveland. He's the sort of player I think the Wildcats would love to have on the on the team, but I don't think he was the number one defensive player this season. I actually think Brantley got really screwed on this one. He didn't even get a mention in the top three, but I think Pardon, I, I, I tend to think one of those New Zealand blokes, to be honest. That's fair enough. Yeah. You could have made a, a case for Justin Simon, yes. for Xavier Cooks. Definitely not Shaili. Shay Lee missed too many games. Oh, that's that's outrageous. You cannot play half of the fucking games and get a nod. I think that's ridiculous. Do you think maybe Antonius Cleveland's defense stood out so much because he was playing for Adelaide? I think it stands out so much because he's a menace in the passing lanes and it often ends in a dunk. I think that's why. But just the fact that he was that decent defensively on an Adelaide team that really didn't play that much defense oh well yeah maybe yeah the best of a bad bunch it probably looked better because yeah. and again was... i'm a massive fan and i yeah. yeah he brings a lot to the table but i just uh, i don't know about this season for yeah. the defensive player of the year. fair enough barry brown jr could have almost been an mvp candidate but sixth man of the year and look there were some good candidates for sixth man of the year too and i think all of them would have been worthy winners too i think i think if tyler johnson had played the way he did the last four yes. weeks all season long he probably would have been up there but i think has he re-signed too I think he might have re-signed. I heard Jason Caddy on the uh, NBL podcast today, one of the official podcasts, I think with Liam Santamaria, saying that he's a great guy and everyone loves him and everyone wants to be around him. So that's it's good if he can stay in the league. It too. is good. And that's completely the opposite to what it looked like at the start of the year. So there you go. Coach of the year, any surprise, Adam Ford? No, I, I had Modi Mayor because of the fact that New Zealand were on the road for two years and he stepped in a first-time coach whereas Ford was there last year. Jeez, it's by a fingernail, but I had Modi Mayo. But I'm okay with that. Kansas over-under at the start of the year was six and a half Oh, wins. yeah, yeah, no doubt. Six and a half wins. And yeah. they, they managed to basically almost scrape into the number two seed. They were that close. How's this? They won the third least quarters at 52. Melbourne and Perth were just ahead of them on 53. Yeah, but you know what? It's not which No, one. no, no, I know. It's, yeah, yeah. Oh, look, he's a deserving winner. It's the ones you win. But, I, but to be honest, though, should he win the award because the people doing the over-unders have no fucking idea? I mean, I said at the time pre-season, that means they don't even win half of their home games. Like, that was a, it was a terrible oh, over-under. It was terrible. But even if you bump that up to, like, eight and a half, nine and a half plus, and what did they win? 18 games. Yeah, yeah. It's huge. Oh, it is. It is. I, I think that's why he gets there. But yeah. anyway, I mean, it's... Yeah, you're right. It was one and two. Or one and one. Yes, eight, yeah, 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 definitely. And that was the case for a lot of the awards, I think. Yeah. yeah. Good to see Sam Wardenberg get up for next-gen. Yeah, look, I think that was deserved, especially considering he was nearly shafted because of the yeah. change of the award so late. Froling can win it next year. Yeah, Samson Froling can win it next yeah, year. Yeah, Samson, that's right. Yeah. Shout out to his brother as well. Seems like he's. Yeah, oh man, did you see that photo? That scar was huge. Holy shit. Yep. And again, I referred to it as a king hit. I need to remove that from my vocab. Coward punch. Coward punch. It was a coward punch. Yeah, terrible. Call it something worse that starts with a C. Quite well, funny, yes, but... he was a C. So all NBL first team and second team. Now let's run through these. So the first team, Cooks, Creek, Cotton, Doyle, Walton Jr. Any issues there? Uh, no major issues. No major. I do feel like the New Zealand blokes got a bit screwed with the whole awards, to be honest. But uh, yeah, no, no, no. I mean, they're all great players and they're all deserving. Yeah. Well, yeah. You've got to have the top three in the MVP voting. They have well, that's to be yeah, it. Yeah. Uh, look, I think Doyle has had a very underrated season or certainly – Maybe a slightly under-the-radar season in terms of how good he's been. I love what he brings to the table, too. Hits big shots. He's not afraid of the moment. He's a more controlled version of Adams, basically, that they had the previous yeah, year. It's not a bad point. Yeah. Like, yeah. Obviously, some differences. But, yeah, yeah, as far as kind of, yeah, the outcome. Like yeah. He's, he's not hitting crazy sideways threes as he's fallen out of bounds, but he hits big shots. And he's way more consistent. Very, very consistent. Yeah. And, look, Walton Jr., I mean, yeah, Look, you could you could make a case for Barry Brown Jr., but I just I don't know. I think Walton for the top mo- team for the, for the most part was yeah was just a little bit more consistent as well. Now the second team is probably where it gets a bit more interesting. It does. So Keanu Pinder, Derek Pardon, Barry Brown Jr., DJ Ho, and Chris Golding. Go on. Well, I think it's pretty common opinion that Ray John Tucker got screwed here by his own teammate in the end, by the looks of things. Yeah, I mean, look, I didn't watch as much of Melbourne as I would have liked all season, but, I mean, certainly if we're just looking at the numbers, Tucker's numbers were way better across the entire board. It was a lot more dynamic as the season went on. He certainly was a little bit average to start things off, but a lot of imports have that growing pain kind of 
getting into the the swing of the NBL life, I guess. And and I think he certainly showed a lot at the back end of the season. And probably the the main reason, or certainly the biggest reason that Melbourne nearly got in. I did a 180 on him. I was skeptical at the beginning of the season, but I loved watching him play in those last few weeks. Yeah. Loved watching him yeah. play. Yeah, he's got mongrel in him, that bloke. Do you think people just continue to get blindsided a little bit by just how pretty some of the things that Chris Golding does? Oh, he, I mean, he's an exceptional player and he's really important to that team and he's still going. It's quite incredible, really. Shout out to NBA Bo. We know he's a big fan. Uh, by the way, moved into 10th all-time on the all-time three-pointers list. He's never going to get even close to Gazy or, no, no, no. <laughs> or Shane Hill or probably Tony Ronaldson or Derek Ruckeroy. Well. I'm trying to remember all of them. Yeah, no, no. We won't see true without doing this again. Yeah. I think I think that's that's certainly probably the only one that I have a, a major issue with. I think Hogue was brilliant, as was Pinder. They were the two main, main reasons why, I guess, Cairns were as good as they are. And Harden and Brown were the main reasons, I guess, that New Zealand were. So, yeah, I don't, I don't have a huge problem with that. It's... Yeah, I think it's the Golding Tucker thing that's maybe a bit iffy. Yeah, yeah. But nothing egregious, as you say. Yeah. Now, there should be an all-defensive team. I think you'll agree. Yeah, I think you, there's enough quality players all around the league that you could definitely make one. To be honest, even if there weren't, you should still have an all-defense team, in so, my opinion. Yeah, even just a first team. Yeah. Yeah, only if... I wouldn't go beyond that. Mm. But yeah, there should be, I think. All-defensive yeah. second team and then 17th team and all the way down to the last players in the league, the worst players. Well, we'll talk about NBA All-Star with our basketball segment as well because there's some funny stuff going on there when it comes to players all the way down the list. But the only thing is I, I want to end with the fact that all I can think is they got the votes in, I think it was with three rounds to go, which is ridiculous. Bryce still hadn't played five games. That was 17.8% of the season, nearly a fifth of the season. In that, in those last three rounds, we had a Bryce 40. We had a Bryce 30 near triple-double. We had a Xavier Cooks triple-double, which we saw at the back lot after most people were cleared out in the cinema there. We had Mitch Creek had some big games. So, like, why? So they can get the, the trophies with the people's face on them. And we had a one of 19 from Bryce. Well, that, that, well, true. You're right. That's that's true. On the flip side of things, and we didn't know how the ladder fell, and like, why can't the votes get in at the end of the season? Yeah. I think it's crazy. But you're right. It's those wanky trophies. And again, Southeast Melbourne didn't even play in the final round. So it's one thing if the scheduling is such where every team plays the same amount of games every week, but the scheduling is all over the shop. Cairns played three games in a round. Mm. So yeah, I, I really don't like that. The NBL need to look at that for future yeah. reference. I mean, there's plenty of time to deliver those. I mean, you can deliver MVPs just before the final series if yeah. you really want. Yeah, exactly. So it's, yeah. It, it's it would be fun in the lead up to the finals. Yep. Yeah, agreed. A bit like the Brownlow. Yeah. Mad Monday. Mad Monday. A couple of other really quick hits with the NBL Street. Happy retirement again to Tim Conrad. He finishes third all-time in games played, fourth total points, and sixth rebounds for the Illawarra Hawks franchise. Did his marriage fall apart after he came out? <laughs> and, I, and I will say this. I will believe Tim Conrad, not Tom Conrad. I will believe it if Tim Conrad is not on a roster in round one of 2020 fucking whatever year. I will believe it then. And Schuler, Schuler, the Brisbane Bullets have hired... Ferris, uh, sorry, Justin Schuler was uh, their next head coach. Honestly, thought that that was Fat Jeremy Kendall. I seriously thought it was Fat Jeremy Kendall. I'm not going to judge. Like, I can say that because I'm a larger. Yeah, well, look, we both got beer guts. Yeah, Portly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Round is a shape. Yeah, well, it is. Yeah. yeah. So, Stewie, lots of cricket stuff too. There is a lot of cricket stuff. Where do we start? Uh, look, I think we've got to start with the lead up to the Women's T20 World Cup. Sure. And unfortunately, it's a really disappointing story that we've kind of heard before. Yes. So obviously we spoke a previous episode. I don't remember which episode it was, but if you haven't heard it, go back and listen to all of them. Yes. But uh, I think it was I think it was in the early days. Might have been fairly early. A couple of years ago, nearly. Yeah. So Lizelle Lee, who was a look, an amazing batter, amazing batter for the South African team. She was never in shape, and that's fine. Like, yeah, and we talked about David Boone and Mark Cosgrove and all yeah. these people. Dwayne Leverock. Yes. Cricket's just a bit of a different game in that regard. We're all different shapes and sizes. That's what makes us unique. Well, it's and about performing. Ex exactly. And this is the thing. Lizelle Lee was dropped from the side the year after being named ICC Women's ODI Cricketer of the Year, which is utterly absurd. So well, do, you know, do you know what that is? That is letting perfect be the enemy of good. 
because honestly, honestly, talk about shooting yourself in the foot, really. And look, she lost 10 kilos. And she only fell short by what, 18 seconds or something? So so we're now talking about Dana Van Nykerk. So sorry, sorry, I've jumped the gun. Yeah. yeah. So she ran a personal best of nine minutes, 48 seconds for the two kilometer time trial, 18 seconds short of the South African fitness standards requirements. So yes, 18 seconds. That's it. It's madness. It is madness. Complete madness. So if we... So now you're missing one of your best players and, and an all-rounder in the lead up to a major international tournament. We're only, what, four days away? Not even? Well, yeah, exactly. It's right around the corner. I think three days, maybe. It's ridiculous. And, Absolutely ridiculous. And speaking to your point, she's the only woman in T20 eyes for South Africa with more than 1,500 runs and 50 wickets. So she's a true all-rounder. Yep. Captain of the side since 2016. That's the other big thing. Yeah. You're losing your captain. I just don't understand it. It's well, it's almost bloody hell worthy, to be honest. It's it, ridiculous. It is. But the thing I want to bring up that's, you know, I guess, going further than the game of cricket, is this the message we want to send to the next generation? If you're a little bit on the bigger or slower side, don't even bother. Well, that's the, I mean, if you're in South Africa, it's basically telling young people that if they're out of shape, yeah, it doesn't send a great message. Look, fitness is important. For various reasons, not just health, but also guarding against injury, all sorts of things. But if someone's bloody good and they perform and they're the captain, for Christ's sake, you maybe kind of, you maybe blur the boundaries a little just bit. Just a smidgen. And going back to Lee, and I guess why I'm sort of bringing this point up, she reportedly doesn't even look at herself in the mirror anymore because she's not happy with the way that she looks. And if you take away something that these women are, are very, very good at, instead you're basically shaming them for not fitting into this cookie-cutter shape of what a cricketer should look like. Well, professional athletes, it's their identity. It is. And you, you're putting their mental health at risk. Heaven forbid she went and took her own life because of that. Imagine oh, the ripple effect. Well. I mean, we don't want to imagine that. No, and I don't think it will happen, but I'm sure it's happened in other circumstances. <laughs> remember that these are human beings and human beings have mental health issues just like everyone else and there's it. you know eating disorders like bulimia there's all sorts of horrible and shit. sorts of things and yeah. as i say it can lead to extreme cases where people may consider ending their life and it's 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 tragic it's absolutely tragic just because of 18 seconds yeah it's ridiculous ridiculous alan border medal australian cricket awards did you watch no nah. no nah. couldn't give a fuck all right let's move on who won Everyone, Smitty, Smitty won. Smitty, oh, fair enough. As he should have. Fair enough. And Beth Mooney. Okay. Are the cricketers of the year. No, there's other awards too, but... Makes, the... makes sense. Yeah. Who won Defensive Player of the Year? <laughs> well, Cameron Green, probably. <laughs> He's the best defender in the field that we've got. Anyway. Uh, well, do you want to start talking about that? The India Tour. Or do you want to talk about the Big Bash? So let's get the Big Bash. Yeah, it was a big win. What a big... game, hey? My goodness. Yeah. I mean, look, probably fair considering Perth kind of dominated the competition like they have in so many other seasons. Five out of 12 big bashes. Done pretty bloody well. And then the Sixers have four. So Perth and the Sixers have nine out of the 12 titles. It's pretty good. Isn't it? <laughs> it's pretty good. But 11 wins, three losses, and two of two in the finals as well. So 13 and three in 16 matches. I mean, Brisbane, they, on the other hand, snuck in six wins, seven losses, one no result. They had to win four of their last five just to make the eliminator. Yeah, they finished strong. And they, they had a good win against Sydney to to get in. Yeah. And look, Matty Renshaw won one of those games off his own bat, 90 not out, including a ramp off the last ball to win that one. They were a little bit fortunate. They got through partly because of the rain in Sydney, and I don't feel bad for Sydney about that <laughs> because, quite frankly, well, that's on you. Yeah, shout out to Dominic Perrottet. Yeah, we'll speak about him in a minute. But they dominated the Renegades, and then they, the Sixers looked like bloody deer in headlights against them in the, the semifinal or whatever they call it. Yeah, I, I don't know what it's called. The, the element, the, yeah, the, the, something to do with gladiators. Yeah, fire yeah. Yeah. Anyway, but look, this is the thing. We got a really good final, and quite often it doesn't work out like that. It was incredible. I don't think it was as good as the one against the Sixers. Do you remember the one? The Brett Lee, the Brett Lee one, one yeah. and the injured Seagull. Oh, and like, there was so much going on in that. That was crazy. Yeah. So I don't think it was as good as that. But the team wasn't as strong. I mean, Cooper Connolly 
Eskenazi, that run out was pretty egregious. Nick Hobson. Nick Hobson, that run out was pretty egregious too. Did you hear about the what Ashton Turner said to him after he ran him out? I did, yes. I saw on Ben Cameron's Twitter, mate, you're a gun. You'll get us over the line. You'll be absolutely fine. Hit good shots. And he did. That's why he's that's why he's a leader. That's why he's a great captain. Yep. 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 So I guess the big question for you, were there any stages where you felt like this game was gone? Oh, that run out. When when Hobson didn't cross and didn't keep Turner in. I thought that was that was game over. Yeah. yeah. And look, in his defense, he tried to turn. He tried to turn and go back. It was too late. Oh, it, he slowed down. It, he, he it was just he's a young player that lacked poise in a difficult situation and he was disappointed with himself. I don't blame him. But that was the point where I thought it was over. Yeah. Yeah. If he'd run a bit harder, Ashton still would have been in. Doesn't matter. They won anyway. Yeah. There were a few moments, even in I guess the batting innings for the Brisbane Heat, Maxi Bryant's 31 off 14, really crucial in getting, they took 56 off the last five overs. Xavier Bartlett hit that six off the last ball. I thought, I wonder if that's ominous. Yeah, looked, that's a good finish. It looked a little bit like, oh God, here we go. Like It's a total that is very, very defendable. It was a good total in a final. Very defendable, yeah. It, yeah. It and one they nearly did defend. And the thing is like, you, you can look at various points throughout the chase. You know, 70 off 36, that's a scary point. Oh, yeah. You know, needing nearly 12 and over. for the Well, that's after the run out, isn't it? No, that's a, that's a fair bit before. So it was, oh, okay. actually, it was only 38 off 18 Okay, for okay. The, for the run out. But the thing is, you have Hobson, who's just come out to the crease. And then you've got Cooper Conley, who's like 18 or 19. He's, he's uh, like, well, he's a former under-19 captain. He might be above that now, he's, but he's, he's young. He's a young fella. Another young. He's yeah. at most 19. Yeah. And so... Like he was an under nineteen captain. He's oh, yeah. pretty good. He's a phenomenal player. Yeah. And some of the shots that he hit off, you know, of James Baisley. Oh, that's some clean hitting. Absolutely phenomenal. Taking eighteen off that over. Yeah, it was huge. Crisp hitting, two big sixes, a big six off the last ball as well. Didn't know he had it in him, to be honest. That's the joy of youth, though, isn't it? They're, oh yeah, they're fearless. Yeah, 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 absolutely. They don't understand failure. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Well, and to be honest, I think there's a little bit of an, in the OKC Thunder about that. Sorry to remind Stop. you. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I will say this, though. The Heat bowlers, I don't know what happened with them. They started bowling back of a length. And all of a sudden, the Scorchers are given so much room to get underneath the ball. Instead of just putting it on that Yorker length just outside the off stump and just having the offside completely littered with fielders. I don't know why they didn't do that. Uh, well, I know players like Josh Inglis play 360 degrees and he had a lovely little ramp shot kind of directly behind the wiki at one point. Yeah, but once... once but yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah I'm, you I can just, still... I'm a big fan of attacking top of off, so... And especially when you've got Conley and Hobson, who are fresh at the, the crease. Three overs, they need 38. Just bowl that length, just outside off stump. It, it, don't put it in the slot back of a length. I, I just don't understand why they would do that. And obviously the big moment, Josh Brown dropping Conley with 19 runs still to get. That was huge. I must I must admit, I forgot about that one, actually. Well, I was a few drinks in by yeah. the end. <laughs> the difference between him and AJ Ty is is like AJ Ty can hit a long ball, but consistency. It's exactly yeah, yeah. exactly one of the big things though as well. Like Jimmy Pearson coming up and talking to his bowlers every single ball, I think that really hurt them. I didn't notice that actually. That's interesting. He was coming up after practically every ball and right. having a chat to because he has he has a couple of younger guys in there. Yep, and he's come up to them and and I think it did. I think it really hurt them. I mean, they copped a penalty for the last over as well because they they went overtime. They didn't bowl the first ball of the last over before that time was up, and as a result, just mentally key decision. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the pressure of a final. Yeah. Just having one extra person inside that rope, it just you know gives you guys a lot more freedom to just play your strokes. And look, an incredible fight by both teams and. Yeah, fair play to the Heat. On any given day, that could have been enough to actually win the whole thing. 175 is a good score in a final. It's Absolutely. A good score. Yeah. But, uh, you know, this is the thing. They were talking to Mitch Marsh about it, and he said it's easy to catch up at the back end of Optus. And that's what the Scorchers did. A massive shout-out to Jason Berendorf. The Dorf was magnificent. He conceded 13 runs off his first over, finished with figures of two for 26 off four. And let's also mention that those 13 runs, there were three edges. Yes, and that's what I was going to say next. They were dangerous deliveries, yeah. yeah. yeah well, three of them should have gone to, I guess, a regulation. I think it was a regulation gully would have probably gobbled up at least two of them. But they had that wide, almost like a floating second. Yeah, yeah, fly slip. 
But look, it is what it is. Perth win. Congratulations to the Scorchers. And congratulations to the Brisbane Heat as well for a really good back end of their season. They've got some big-name players that will make a, a pretty big difference moving forward into the future. Like Brown looks phenomenal. I, I really love that kid. Didn't have the best final, but probably would have liked to face a few more than 12 deliveries in the final. But, yeah, he made a little impact, and I think he'll do some really good things moving forward. Happy retirements to Dan Christian and Aaron Finch. Aaron Finch steps down as the international T20 captain. He had two of the top three T20i scores of all time. 172 off 76 against Zimbabwe and 156 off 63 against England about 10 years ago. Do you remember that one? I remember that. Like oh, it was, like man. It was yesterday. I thought that wasn't going to be top Tay. Yeah, I remember it like it was yesterday too. I was just marveling. I couldn't believe what a knock that was. That was incredible. And that was that was the lead into the Ashton Agar 99 Ashes, wasn't it? Where he scored 99, not the year 99, that of course. Might have been, yeah. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, that's around 2013-ish. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of Ashton Agar, it's looking like Todd Murphy will be in, in front of him for the first test in Nagpur tomorrow. What do you reckon? Well, I will start by saying the VCA Stadium in Nagpur first class i was there in the 2011 world cup so it is probably a little bit more dated than it was back then but it was a brand new stadium when i went out there and built for the world cup my god it was impressive right in the middle of bumfuck nowhere like you basically you come off a a highway and it just spits you out basically into a desert is that like the one in antigua when we went to the worst yeah right that was in the middle of nowhere too no this one was literally like you look around and it's like there's nothing here yeah right but an amazing stadium and uh, look, it, it should be an interesting game. Good to see the Indians already doctoring the pitch. <laughs> good start. What do you what do you make of it? I mean, there's gamesmanship and there's doing stuff to the pitch, but when it's almost like they they put drop in spots for the left handed batsman, it's incredible. <laughs> yeah. You can see the color. Like, oh man, look, it's all a part of it. But karmically, they'll probably lose the toss now, and maybe they'll lose the match as a result. No, I'm not that convinced. No. I, I just hope, yeah, I hope we get one. I'm amazed at how many people have Australia winning the series. No, no, no. no. Are you kidding? No, we lucky, can't play spin. Be lucky if we get one. Yeah, well, we need one for the World Test Championship. Mm, I'm not. But I, I know I'm not. I, I not I'm always very iffy about Australia on the subcontinent. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm not convinced at all. No, look, we'll have to see how it plays out. I don't want to make any predictions aside from the fact that we'll probably lose. Well, the other thing is Hazelwood, Starkey. And maybe Green are in doubt for the first match. And I, I actually think that if Green can't bowl, I wouldn't play him. I think they should be playing Nisa as an all-rounder instead. Yep. Now, I don't think that necessarily will happen. But we saw that finger injury. Yeah, it was pretty bad. I, I, I'd i be waiting till he can bowl again, personally, yep. on this tour. Now, if we're a different tour and a different opponent, maybe not. But for this tour, I want my all-rounder bowling. Get Scotty Boland in. Well, Boland probably will come in for Starkey or Hazelwood. Boland's got five at the V. It'll be a classic. He's not an all-rounder, though. I don't know how it'll go with the bat. Well, if he's, <laughs> if he's bowling him out, shape, it doesn't matter. No, look, not expecting a whole heap here, but yeah. It's an exciting time for cricket. I saw Wisdom tweeted that there are 12 tests in the next six weeks with eight teams in action. There will only be seven days without at least one scheduled test cricket day in that period. Did you see Brathwaite and Chandapur? I did see them, yeah. Well, do you know what the final opening stand was? Oh, I didn't see that. I just saw they both made tons. Shout out to Craig Brathwaite and t- ten- Tangerine Chandapur. That's, <laughs> that's what I want to say. 336. The ninth best opening stand in Test cricket history, passing the previous best opening stand for the Windies of Gordon Greenwich and Desmond Haynes of 298. And just as well they did, because listen to the scores after that, Stewie. 22, 5, 7, 11, 3. And the supplementary, I mean, the extras. Solid 10. 10. The extras, yeah. solid 10. So they needed every single one of those 336. That. But uh, yeah, look, Desi Haynes and Gordon Greenwich, pretty good people to be mentioned in the same breath with. Pretty decent. Pretty decent. I'll tell you what, Zimbabwe, a decent chance of winning that, actually. They need 272. Man, Woody always talks up Zimbabwe kind of cricket renaissance. One for 43, they are. Good so on them. You never know. You never know. So I've got a couple of things before we tee off on... Dom Perrottet. Perrottet? Yes. So, mixed bag in the England ODIs in South Africa. But did you see Moeen Ali try and play a switch hit reverse sweep standing up with only his right hand on the bat? No. I haven't seen any of the highlights. 
I've seen the scores. So we're, we've got to the third umpire. That's that's the kind of shot you play in the nets at the end of the day when you're buggered and you're ready to go home. That's incredible. That belongs at the Australian Open. That It does. It was like a tennis shot. It's a tennis shot. A ground shot. Well, I'll tell you what, love 15 because he missed it completely. <laughs> so that was a bit random. Very random. Iftikhar Ahmed. Yes. Holy crap. Six sixes. So, yeah, six sixes on the last over of a T20. Off of all people, Wahab Riaz. Yes, nice lap. Pretty solid player. Yeah. Took the Quetta or Keta Gladiators. I'm not really a proficient in Pakistani uh, no, geography. I'm not totally not sure. Attempt the pronunciation either. But it took him from five for 148 to five for 184. Exhibition match. Couldn't find a scorecard, but. Oh, maybe that's. Yeah, okay. Still yeah. pretty impressive. Yeah. I didn't realize it was exhibition. Yeah, I was just. Yeah, okay. But Spirit thought for Riaz, he'd only gone for 11 off his previous three overs. So his four overs went for 47. Yeah. Blown out completely. Interesting. Now. We just have to finish this cricket segment with two very naughty Australians. Oh, okay. Don Perrottet and Michael Clark. Oh, yeah, we haven't talked about Clarky. Well, we're saving the worst for last. Oh, man, what a shit show. So Perrottet has decided to say, quote, a five-day washed-out test in Sydney is much better than a five-day test in Adelaide. And Clark has said, you can't take Boxing Day from the MCG and you can't take New Year's away from the SCG. Absolute no-brainer. The day that stops is the day test cricket is finished in this country. Adelaide's test match is perfect. When they've got it under lights, it's perfect. It's working so well. Why would they want to change that? Thoughts, Nath? Okay. So first of all, I thought you were talking about the Michael Clark and Carl Stefanovic oh. weird shirtless fighting in public parks. And I don't know what the fuck's going on there. I don't want to give Carl Stefanovic any time. So that's what I thought you were talking about initially with Clarky. I haven't this followed is, that story. What is To say, look, Look, Test cricket is on life support for a myriad reasons, T20 being a massive one, and the calendar. I am not convinced that that would be the final death knell. I'm not convinced of that at all. And Dominic Perrottet, so often people say to sports people, stick to sports. To this politician, I'm saying stick to politics because that was a, a freezing cold take. They've had more washouts than Manchester, as we've discussed recently. I'm not saying necessarily that they should move it, but just, dude, Adelaide Oval's beautiful. Of course people would want to see five sunny days of day-night cricket there. So, yeah, terrible take from Dom there. It's funny you say it because my exact line is shut the fuck up and stay out of sports. Yeah, well. This is the thing. Like, In what world is a rained-out match anywhere better than five full No, days? of course not. Like, a test in frigging Sierra Leone would be better than a rained-out test in Sydney right now. Like, it's Yes, a test on a doctored pitch Well, <laughs> yeah, okay. is better than... Yeah, it's still better. Do you remember that pitch in Jamaica? I think it was like around 96. They had to call it off. No, I don't actually. Oh, I'll never forget seeing the footage on the news. It's crazy. Anyway. But the thing I, I wanted to sort of say, I guess, in rebuttal to what Michael Clark has said, why would we want to change it? Because it doesn't rain in Adelaide. So the dates that that goes on... Well, it does. Well, it doesn't. But not as frequently. It doesn't yeah. It doesn't rain when it rains yeah. in Sydney. They've lost a lot of days. Full day washouts. It's a day-nighter. People can go straight from the cricket, have the morning to deal with their hangovers, and then go straight back to the ground for later in the day. I just don't get why he's being so damn sentimental about the location. Well, he's a New South Welshman. Instead of just focusing on the results... We're from Perth. We're proud from Perth. We don't give a fuck when we get a test, as long as we get one. Yeah. And apologies about the swearing. I'm swearing a lot. Well, you know, we, we swear. We're very passionate about this because the fact that Sydney could potentially cost us a shot in this test championship, not that it matters that much because it's a meaningless thing, but the fact that it just costs us that, it's very frustrating. And I just don't think these two have got it right. And tradition's an interesting thing because I remember hearing, I think it was Jim Maxwell talking on Grandstand on Saturday. I think that's what it was. He was saying that some of these traditions haven't lasted as long as people think. They haven't been around, he was talking about when he was a kid. It was vastly different. So even, even the tradition argument, look, I'm all for traditions, but you shouldn't be stubborn. And if you stubbornly, look, I don't know. Maybe Sydney's going to be problematic no matter what because it's still around the same time of year. It's something I need to investigate, though. I can guarantee if the Boxing Day test in Melbourne had been rained out for the last, I don't know, five, ten years, Clarkie would be talking a very different story. He'd be saying, oh, 
probably need to move it. Well, there is a difference between being rained out and having a lot of days of rain. But yeah, no, I mean, if it if it's affecting results, which that one, the was. proof's in the pudding. Yeah, if things become trends, you have to you have to look at breaking tradition. If the trends are that you're not getting results, yeah. So yeah, agreed. All right, sure. You know what that music means? Final thoughts time. Oh god, it's another. <laughs> it's exhausting. Another huh? massive, massive week of sport. As if the NBL finals isn't enough. As if the NBA going All Star weekend soon isn't enough. The Cricket World Cup for the women is on very, very soon. The very soon. The Australians in Nagpur. It's just. It's all happening. It's a smorgasbord. It really is. It is a sports smorgasbord. And I'm really optimistic about these NBL playoffs. I think they'll be quite tasty. I think they will. Quite, even in spite of the injuries. Yeah. Good times. Well, thankfully they're real injuries and not fucking jockey because rubbish. <laughs> Until next time, I'm Nate. And I'm Stu. We are the Sportplex. Oh, my hammy.